Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. Now, this week's guest hardly needs any introducing. His name is Gary Vaynerchuk. Better known to his 6.4 million Instagram followers, his 2.3 million YouTube subscribers, and 2 million Twitter followers as Gary V. I guess it's probably fair to say he's one of the world's best-known entrepreneurs. He first became famous in the 90s when he turned his dad's local bottle shop into a multi-million dollar business. Since then, he's absolutely built on that success. He's got communications companies called VaynerX, a digital agency called VaynerMedia. He's big in everything he does and is extraordinarily intense in everything he does. And today, what I want to find out from him is what drives that intensity. Where'd it come from? Was it his mum and dad? Was it his um, immigration to the United States from Belarus in the Soviet? Was it growing up in the Soviet? Was it growing up in America? Where does all this stuff come from? You're going to find this guy has a high intensity, a high intellect. He's a very generous guy with his ideas and his thoughts and his views. It's a ripper. So let's get into it. Gary V, welcome to The Mentor. Thank you for having me. Gary's in the house. Pretty cool. Yes. It's very cool for me. Let me Thank you. you. I'm a big fan of yours, man. Thank you so much. So what we like to do for our audience, at least, is that uh, our audience loves to know a little bit about the person. I mean, you know, you're a public figure. Everybody probably follows you on Instagram and all the various other places that you put out your material but probably don't get that much time to hear really about the Gary Vee story. Who, sure. who is Gary Vaynerchuk? Like, I'd like to know. <sighs> you know, Tell me. It's a, it's a very classic immigrant story, you know, of a boy that's born in a deeply communist country like the Soviet Union coming to America, uh, which is a very capitalist country uh, in the late 70s. Unfortunately, there was not a very good economy at the time when we came, so these golden streets that my parents were promised uh, were even worse than they were in Russia. So much so that some fun stories have popped up recently in my family of like even debating to go back. Serious? Yeah, which was kind of interesting even for me. So, you know, it was, it was a lot of struggle. You know, I always tell a lot of my friends that I'm far more similar to their grandfather than I am to them because I'm, because I was born in the old country, because I came over, because... I worked all the time because there was no entitlement. School was kind of almost weirdly secondary uh, in a lot of ways. School in, a, uh, school in America or school yeah, in, in... school in America. Yeah. You, you know, I wasn't a good student. And, you know, for a lot of second and third generations, school is the big play. But for a lot of first generations, you're just trying to put 
food on the table and that's what my parents did but I was so intertwined with them um, because I was born in the old world and, and it was a very entrepreneurial story. By the time I was six or seven years old, I was selling lemonade, I was shoveling snow, I was washing cars, I was selling flowers. It was- but what drove it? Like, why, why, why? DNA. There's nothing else. You didn't have to put food on your own table. I did it? not. No. It was just more fun for me than playing. It was more fun for me when snow would hit the ground to go in the garage, grab a shovel, and ring people's doorbells and say, I will shovel your driveway for $5 than it was to build a snowman or throw or sledding or throw snowballs at each other. Was it a game? It, it, it continues to be a game. Yeah. So even then, it was a game then. 100%. Work was a game. Yes. And, a, and an enjoyable game. I think one of the reasons I'm successful and one of the things I try to push a lot of people to think about is, can you love your process? You know, if you're in this, and entrepreneurship is cool now. Yeah. If you're in this. Too cool. Too cool. That's exactly right. If you're in this to flex on Instagram, you're going to lose. Yeah. And uh, and I was doing it when it was in the 80s and 90s in America. Uh, entrepreneurship wasn't a thing. That was actually when this country people thought it was something bad. And, and America like, too. You're, you're, you're a bad dude. If you're an entrepreneur, risk. you're actually a loser yeah. living off of mommy and daddy. Yeah, it yeah, was. Yeah. It was. You're exactly right. And I, you and I know this. A lot of the kids don't know. Yeah. Now... It's like being a rapper or an athlete. Yeah. It's incredible for me to watch what's transformed over 30 years. Uh, but I was willing to do it because it's all I could do. I, I, I listen to athletes, actors and actresses, singers, uh, artists, and in their documentaries, inevitably, they're like, well, I just couldn't do anything else. And as an entrepreneur, that's how I think. So do you think, you know, like... You there's a lot of hard luck stories that I hear around, you know, around the world. And, and, and like Mike Tyson is a good example. Yes. Like, like he had nothing yep. and he used sport as his way out. Yes. Do you think entrepreneurship is a way out? You know, I think. Yeah, then, back then. I think it is for some. I do. Uh, I don't think it was for me. I didn't feel desperate. I didn't grow up in an environment that scared me. But did me. you have choices? I did have choices, yeah. to be frank. I did. I could have decided to be a good student. I just loved it. I love it now. I love it. I mean, I woke up on the flight here from the US, I woke up 1 a.m. Sydney time knowing that it was probably in my best interest to sleep a little bit more to get on time here. But I, but I was so happy that I woke up because I couldn't wait to go on eBay and look up the value of sports cards because in the last month, and really over the last year, but in the last month, I've gotten white hot on the theory that sports cards are about to make a comeback, and I want to buy up as many soccer and basketball cards as I can because I think they're going to go up a bunch. That's an energy that I, you know, and I'm going to make no money. I'll make more money speaking in this four-city tour during this week than I will in the countless hours I put in over the next year trying to buy up messy rookie cards or LeBron rookie cards but the action of the game, the was I right? Did I see something that nobody else saw? I'm far more proud that I saw social media, Facebook, Twitter, those things, than the money I made by making those bets. Can I ask you something? I mean, like, you're an intense dude. Okay? Yes. <laughs> you are. And that, that's cool. I'm similar, like in a, but in a different way. And a lot of people don't like it, okay? And I can just see you talking about just like the cards now. Yeah. What is it in the fabric of Gary Vaynerchuk's life? You're going to say it's in your DNA, but what is it that in your social development 
that actually was formed all the layers to get you to be so intense because you can't be good at what you do unless you're intense. You've got to love it, get it, yeah. but you've got to be intense. I, I think – Think intensely. I think being on your own, you know, like not having the uh, luxury, which I think is a disadvantage, of an over-coddling nature. What does that mean, being on your own? You know, as soon as I was four, five, six years old, I'm outside playing by myself. No brothers and sisters? I did, but, you know, they were three years younger and 11 yeah. years younger, so at first it's me. And so no brothers and sisters. Uh, a mother that grew up in the Soviet Union where the framework was go outside and play. The 80s when you could still do that in America. So crossing the street, playing in the woods. I mean, there's 15-year-olds that are being watched by their parents more than I was watched when I was five. That fucking kills me. Yeah. Of course it kills you because you know exactly the vulnerability. Yeah. We're growing, we're, we're living in a time where everyone's a zoo animal. Mm. They, they don't know how to live in society because parents are such helicopters and eighth place trophies and you know nobody's allowed to lose, nobody's allowed I to cry. I saw that on Instagram, 10th, 10th place saw that? ribbon, I saw that today. So, so for me, I think what's in my fabric is having to scrap I'm from the dirt. I had no choice. Yeah, yeah. I fight. Yeah. And does that build your intensity though? Of course. And does that wear you out? Not for me. No? You know, I'm empathetic that it might be too much for others. I respect that. Yeah, I yeah. understand that. Yeah, yeah. I just also can't live my life based on other people's judgment. But is mom or dad energetic like that? You know, in different ways, yes. But neither like come across in the way that I do. I think I'm a pretty interesting blend of the two. Um, I'm much more of a showman uh, and high energy than my father, but I'm deeply competitive and and the work ethic. My mom is not a showman either, but her side of the family is, especially the men. So, you know, no, you know, I'm different than both my parents, but obviously, because it's so easy for me to read, I understand the pieces of the puzzle that I got from both of them to how this happened. Are they proud of you? Oh, immensely. And that, and that. How important is that to you? Oh, unbelievably. I'm a uncomfortable advocate of my parents. I'm a deeply grateful child. I, I really, I, I mean, I'm, th I'm writing a book in my own head that I eventually put put out called "Perfectly Parented." You know, most people hate their parents or dwell on their parents, or even if they don't hate them, which is probably not true, but spend a lot of time judging what their parents did wrong instead of thinking about what their parents did right. I'm sure my parents did tons of things wrong. I'm just incapable of focusing on that. I'm just so grateful for the things they did right. So the difference, between, so there's a lot of people out there, I mean, you're a doer. The intensity brings effort and with intensity you get a lot of execution. But were you a dreamer as a kid? Did you sit around dreaming? Did you sit around, because mm. I mean, you're going to sell lemonade or whatever mm. you're going to do. Did you sit and plan it? Like you wake up 1am yes. thinking about your cards. Yes. Did you do it as a kid? Only in the most macro of a level. Yeah. I, I very early on decided that I was going to buy my favorite football team, the New York Jets, and I've stuck to it for 35 years at this point. So, yes, I would say I, would, I dreamt about that. I dreamt about making a mark in the wine business and building one of the large retail companies in America. I did that. I dreamt. I thought about disrupting the ad world in a way that they couldn't see coming. Um putting the final pieces on that right now. So uh, I, I dream currently of leaving an incredible legacy and having 
thousands of people show up to my funeral because of the value I provided with no ask in return. So yeah, I dream, I dream. But I'm too grounded in practicality to be a talker. You know, I would be embarrassed to talk and not execute. I almost put things out to put the pressure on making sure I execute so that nobody could ever play a clip because I record everything of you talked a big game but you couldn't do it. Now I'm fine, unbelievably fine with not achieving my goals. I'm not fine with not trying to. You gotta have a crack. A good hard gotta crack. Have, like a real fucking crack. Yeah, totally. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like one of the best cracks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that I can feel. Yeah. I'm gr- I love losing, believe it or not, because that means I deserved it. Yeah. But I, I love the way you delivered that sentence. It excited me. A real crack, an yeah. all-time crack. Yeah. Uh, last breath, fuck it. I did everything. I, I did, went as hard as I could. There's nothing left. There's nothing left. I wish there was a couple more years because I'd still be cracking at 100. But if this is it, I don't want to regret. I don't want to regret. And you have to be careful because a lot of times, one part of your life, you may leave no regret. You know, I spend a lot of time trying to be thoughtful of not being a man of the world at the expense of my own children. You see that a lot. I read a lot of obituaries. I watch a lot of famous or, no, or people of notoriety pass and the world mourns, but their kids have very subtle, interesting, yeah, dad was awesome to the world. We wish we had a little, you know, I read, I read it. Yeah. I read it because I inherently understand it and I want to hedge against it because I want to find the right balance. I'm aware of it. Um, but yes, that's how I see it. Like a lot of people, like you get them all the time. And they, they, they are dreamers. I mean, I, I've seen you interview some of the people at some of your talks, you know, they, and God love them, they get up there and they, they want you to solve a problem for them. They ask you a question and they're looking for an answer. And I see these dreamers. I mean, what do you say to them about balancing the difference between dreaming and execution? I mean, how, how, do, they, how do people work out? Because you've got to dream hard a lot and then you've got to, then you've got to stop and you've got to start executing hard a lot. Then you've got to go back to dream because your life can't be just about executing. It's got to be about dreaming. That's right. You but it can't be strateg- just about dreaming. Yeah, you have to strategize and execute. Uh, Without people saying you change your mind all the time. First of all, I, I think changing your mind all the time is the core strength of a human being. I, I, you know, people say to me and I say, I'm just reassessing what I'm doing. My dad used to get so mad at me. You, you just said a week ago that we were going to sell rosé. I'm like, am I changing my mind? Customers came in. I didn't like the way it felt. I changed my mind. Yeah. I think changing your mind is a huge strength. I... And I, it's funny, I was about to answer and we brought up the change of mind. I think it's the same thing. I think a lot of people don't fire people, don't change their mind because they're greatly insecure. This is an enormous game of insecurity. You know, why do people dream and not do? They're insecure. They inherently don't think they can do it. The system makes us a bit that way too. I don't know about America, but in yeah. this country here, our regulatory environment yes. it, it sort of enhances this insecurity, which puts you in a position where you can't fire somebody. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah, mate. Yeah, I, I, you know, no, I don't, I, I, I've got some of my guys here. <laughs> we I, know how it works in my I, job. I'm a lot more educated in the UK version, and, I, and I'm aware that the Australian version's closer to that. That is some fucking horseshit. Yeah. And is the great vulnerability to anything that eliminates merit is bad. Yeah. If somebody sucks and you can't fire them, you, the whole thing's broken. Yeah, totally. The hell are we doing here? 
Well, I mean, I battle with it all the time. It kills me. Um, and, like, I even did a TV show here about where I actually had to say, you're fired. And, and it's not very Australian to do that because it's considered uncool to fire somebody. But in my business, like, I mean, I, I'm sorry, I just can't put up with something that doesn't work. More importantly, it leads to entitlement, and entitlement is poison. Yeah. A hundred percent. G'day, Matt. Uh, we've got Matt Holland here from Mentor Business Sales. We're going to talk about, again, what business that he has listed on our website for sale that all you buyers out there are desperate to buy. What do you got, mate? Hi, Mark. Uh, something um, a little different I've chosen this week. It's a, uh, what we call it is a holistic health and fitness business. Now, what the hell is a holistic <laughs> health and fitness business? All right. So, look, it's- What's it's, his product? This product is essentially in the, the footwear industry, but it's footwear with a difference. So it's all about sports um, and, and it's with a difference. And I can't say too much because I'm going to give the business name away. It's well known. Right. Okay. So, um, but has he been here for a while? Has he been around for a while? Absolutely. Over 20 odd years. Um, and he's just looking for a, a bit of a sea change. He actually took the business over about 12, 14 years ago. So the business has been going quite some time. Hard business to run if he's not there or how's that going to work? Absolutely not. No, he's got a good manager in place. And look, that's the best thing about it. If you want to keep the manager in place there, you can earn, still earn over the 200,000 mark. If you want to get in there and do it yourself, he's earning about 300,000. Wow. Um, that's a good manager. Uh, yeah, well, absolutely. It's it's a look. It's it's systemized. It's process driven. Um, he's got a great name out there, and he's only asking three hundred fifty thousand. So you have got a business that recovers. Uh, pay three fifty, get two hundred. You can get two hundred back in your first year if you keep the manager on. If you get if the manager doesn't stay on, then you can sort of recover your money in one year. That's a pretty good deal. Um, how do they get to find out about more about this business? How do they contact you, Matt? Tell us how they do it. Absolutely. Best way is to go to mentor.business. Mm-hmm. Um, you can search on the website there. Just search fitness business uh, in the search field and um, get in touch with us. And if you've got anything you want to sell, like if you're a vendor, you want to reach a goal, you know, like uh, cash out, retire, or you want to bring in a partner, then you go and contact Matt Holland and he's at mentor.business. And if you want to buy a business, we've got heaps of them for sale. So come and have a look. Hopefully we can fit you up just like this business is going to fit everyone's feet up when they go running. Thanks, Matt. Good to talk to you, mate. Thanks, Mark. We've got a beauty here. This is Gary Vaynerchuk. We're back with him. Like, it's not often you get someone of international renown to come onto the show. You know, us Australians, we're really appreciative of this. And we just had a chat about, you know, what sort of drove Gary. Gary, look, one thing, I want to talk about some practical stuff now because we've got a lot of listeners who are, who are desperate to emulate people like you. They, they, they actually, you know, people actually love you. I mean, I, I, I talk to them. I've been talking to a lot of people since you're going to come on the show. Everybody just raps, raps, raps. And I've been seeing, I've been following what's going on at the, uh, the three mm-hmm. states you're talking about on, on the NAC, National Achievers uh, Convention. And I've been watching all the videos. Everyone's saying great stuff. But where do you advise people to say, look, this is just not about me having followers and people loving me. I mean, that's important. But where do you, what do you say to people? How do you actually turn it into a business? Otherwise, you're just wasting their time. So I think there's a lot of ways to do it. So, you know, it's really funny. You and I are super aligned with this, which is at the end of the day, things have to become practical. Yeah. You know, and, and during the break, I was saying, you know, you don't pay your bills with followers. Mm. And, and I believe that. I'm also a very interesting messenger when it comes to this because unlike many of my contemporaries that kind of look like me, one of the core reasons everybody loves me is I don't actually extract value out of my audience. Now, a couple things. There is nothing wrong with extracting value out of your audience. This is the free world. 
Nobody has to buy your program or your offsite or your master, you know? So what's interesting about what I do is I build businesses that don't have to do with my audience, right? So hmm. VaynerMedia works with Fortune 5000 companies. Yeah. You know, so my audience is not the CEO of GE. So can you connect the two then? Can you connect the audience? I think back the way the I, you know, it's really interesting how I connect the audience. Let me give you an example. It is very clear to me that we have one to two clients at VaynerMedia right now that are a three to four million dollar a year client that I would argue that the tipping point to why they chose VaynerMedia versus Ogilvy or McCann or Droga is because their 17 year old son of the decision maker thinks I'm cool. Right. Brand. Got it? Yeah. Um, but it's funny. Let me go here because I think this will bring value to the audience. I wrote a book several years ago that did extremely well called Jab, 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 Right Hook. I thought I was writing it for the opposite of who we're talking to. This enormous group of people on the internet who only sell. Buy this, buy that. Have no interest in value. Only want to do top of the funnel and landing pages just to convert you to their $900 ebook. No soul. Hmm. really gross. Hmm. And I was trying to teach him like, hey, take a step back. How about a little romance? You don't have to try to close at the bar at every move. Can I buy a drink first? You know, not even that. You know, you know what I mean? Like half these characters on the internet are just like right at it. So I was like, hey, jab, jab, jab. Give it some value. Give some value. Give some value. Then ask. Don't expect. What was interesting is that's who I thought I was doing it for. What had ended up happening was it was actually who you're going for. The people that most responded to the book were people who were super ideological and actually were very frothy and almost hippie-like, building great content, bringing so much value, but were actually scared to go in for the sale. You know, my great ability to both be selfish and selfless, in balance, in harmony, pulling hard from both sides, has a lot to do with what's working for me. So, you know, listen, at the end of the day, Vanity metrics, whether that's followers on Instagram, whether that's the jewelry or car you drive, no matter what it is, at the end of the day, underneath all of that, there needs to be something tangible and real. And if you're not asking for business, and more importantly, if you're not selling something you believe in, you're finished. The single reason I think I'm a great salesman as somebody who hates to ask for a sale is because I deeply believe in what I'm selling whether it's the wine I produce, whether it's a sneaker collaboration I have with K-Swiss, whether it's Vayner. I, I sit in this, do you know what it feels like to sit in this room and know, fuck think, know that VaynerMedia is the best marketing firm in the world? It's, it's empowering. You, you sell with conviction. And I, I just watch way too many people uh, either be deeply insecure about what they're selling because deep down they know they have no idea what the fuck they're selling. Well, no, I said they don't know what they're selling. That's right? Yeah, yeah. Or... They're just broken. They just so care about money. They know exactly what they're selling. They just know they're selling bullshit and they're fucking preying on people's fears. And I want to kill those fuckers. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny, you know, because I, I always talk about this whole point. Like, you know, I'm in a homeland business and I was in a homeland business many years ago with a, a well known person in Australia. And um, he once said to me, and I was only, I was a young guy and, he, and I was trying to get in to buy half my business. And I, he asked me the question, because he's about to invest, you know, in those days, a lot of money, $25 million into my business. And mm. uh, he said to me, um, what business are you in? And uh, I said, well, I'm, I was about to say I'm in the home loan business because my company was called Wizard Home Loans. And he said, <laughs> don't, he said, don't say fucking home loans. And uh, I was stuffed. Yeah, I didn't know yeah. what to say. 
and he, he gave me the answer. He said, you're not selling homelands, you're selling people's hopes and dreams. That's right. And he said, that's what your messaging is. And that's what, that's what I love doing. You know, even today, my other business sells home loans. We still do home loans. And I was only thinking about it today when I was coming down to the studio. I actually love lending people money to buy a fucking house. You know, I, I love lending money to people because cool. they get so happy. You know, like it's – and that's like if my branches around Australia put up on Instagram a photograph of them standing there next to someone who's just with their wife and kids or whatever their arrangements are in front of a sold sign with a key just about walking in the house, that's the best feeling I can get. When you're selling hopes and dreams and it's practical, that's amazing. Unfortunately, a lot of people sell the other way. They sell against bullshit. people's they sell against people's insecurities yeah, and yeah. fears. Yeah, they're selling I bullshit. Hate it. Yeah. There was a great thing that somebody said to me years ago, and I say it all the time. There's two ways to build the biggest building in town. You either just build the biggest building in town, or you spend all your time tearing everybody else's building down. Mm. And I think about it often, maybe once a week. And if there's anything on my last breath that I'm most proud of is I'm out here just trying to build the biggest building. I have no interest in tearing anybody else's building down. And uh, watching other people navigate the other way is, uh, is intriguing for me to watch. And honestly, I feel bad for them because I know there's real poison inside that system. Can I ask you something about yeah, sport? Yeah, sure. Um, for me, sport's really important. Uh, it's just not, not just it's it's the fabric of my life, but it's also something that drives me. I always look to sport in terms of my own businesses, etc. But I can't live without sport. And I've seen some YouTube stuff for you g- getting involved in sport and training with a lot of people you know. Like yep. they, they look like they might be uh, baseballers yep. or, or footballers yep. over there. How important is sport to you? What's it do for your life? Well, first of all, the reason I love sports is there's no hiding. Hmm. I, it's why I love boxing. Mm. And you brought up Mike Tyson earlier. Man, I like boxing. Mm. There's just no hiding. Mm. You know? Yep. I and do know. <laughs> and so so I love, you know what I hate about business? There's a lot of hiding. Yeah. There's a, you put entrepreneur on your bio on Instagram yeah, yeah. and everyone thinks you are one. Yeah. You know? And so sport's important to me because I love when it goes to triple zero, somebody won and somebody lost. I think both of us already acted, reacted in this podcast around the thought of like eighth place trophies or not that. So that's important to me. Physically, I love to compete. You know, what, you know like if you said, let's run to the door right now, you'd be stunned what I would do. <laughs> like I'd throw the, I, whatever it takes. I love the merit of the game. As far as physical fitness, about five to six years ago, I took it very seriously after not taking it seriously most of my life. And it's been a great addition, especially soft tissue work. My back, I hurt during the liquor store days. It's been very important, but it doesn't release stress. I'm always fascinated by people that work out or run or do sports where they speak about the mental stress relief. For some reason, I don't have that. But what I love is the merit. God, I wish everything in life was sports because it's just so cool. You can't cheat. You know, people can talk about steroids and enhancement drugs, fine. But it's really, it's it's a really pure Reality, and I love that. And and, what, and but, but does it form part of your routine? Though? Like, I mean, everyone is like, "Well, what does Gary V do when he gets up in the morning?" But like, what's your routine? You in terms of sport? I, yeah, I mean, I work out every day. Um, I go to the gym. I uh, so that's what I do. I, what I, sort of sport is it? We, we're talking about running. We're talking about lifting weights. Yep, or? but mainly lifting weights. A lot of soft tissue work. That is something that I've become unbel- fascia and all this yeah. kind of incredibly game changing for the way some of the flaws I had. I play basketball, though, you know, at 43, it's starting to get to a place where I'm a little worried about knees and ankles and things of that nature. I play a little tennis. Um, I, uh, 
I, I don't do as much competitive sport as I'd probably like to, um, but it is something I think a lot about of how to inter, interject it a little bit more into my world. But do you think it's, do you think it's as an entrepreneur, as somebody who's sort of running their own business and, you know, like there is a lot of shit you have to do. With it. For me, it's like meditative. That's my hour. Well, that, like that's, that's, hour that's where I was going with this earlier. I don't get that. You don't get that? No. Uh, Are you still thinking about work then when you're training? No, but but maybe. What I would say is not I mean, always. Maybe you're not trained fucking hard enough. Come on, you might have to come listen, to a session with me think, after this, I think, dude. I think you appreciate this. I'm fucking doing everything hard. Yeah, it's I, just, I get it. It's, you know, it's funny. I'm going to answer it this way, and I've been thinking a lot about it for the last four years as, as meditation has grown in popularity, which is great because I love seeing people find balance in the tactic. I would argue that I'm meditating at all times. Well, that's and, cool then. And I don't know what exactly I'm saying right now, but intuitively, man, I feel super great. Like I'm almost talking, I'm almost having conversation with myself while I'm having one with you. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is. I'm very grateful for it. I'm in really interesting harmony and balance for the, I've, I'm in a very funny framework. I'm basically in one place. If eight people didn't die today, everything else is good. Hmm. I've gotten very, I don't know if that was my great grandmother, my grandmother was a very Russian thing, like every single thing we blessed to, everything was health, health, you know, everybody died so young in Russia. It was a miserable place. Um, alcoholism at scale, communism's bad. Uh, but I'm pretty much in the place of, I don't need that much of a mental release for my work. I actually am not that anxious about it. I was gonna say, it's because you're, is everything going good then? Yeah, but even when it's going bad, I don't think I like money. Do you have bad times in work? I have things that I have to, only time I have bad times is when I have to hurt somebody by firing them. Yeah. You know? Like, I hate that. But like, when somebody's firing, you should see me on a phone call or a meeting getting fired by a client. It is hilarious. They start it, I know exactly what's happening, and I basically bail them out within five seconds. Yeah, fucking hurry up with it. Tell uh, me. In a, in, but in a sweet way. Full accountability. Yeah, Don't yeah. worry about, you know, like. I'm out of here. Yeah. Let's, I need the 18 minutes back. To well, go, how you how do you fire someone then in your environment? How do you, what, do you say, what do you say to them? I, this has been the great. How many chances do you give them? I'll, I give them too many. Yeah. I would argue for as much as I hate entitlement, I'm very good at creating it within my workforce, but I've gotten a lot better. I really needed the lesson of this last company. Somewhere around year six of VaynerMedia, I looked around and said, oh fuck. Everything I despise, I've created. I've overcoddled this organization. I've put too much on my shoulders. And my, my deep anger and dislike for conflict has created entitlement and I had to go through a recourse and the, and the entitled kids weren't ready for it. And it was painful. Um, radical candor is not something that came natural to me. I'd rather stun you by firing you and giving you a great severance <laughs> than giving you critical feedback along the way. It was just my framework and it's something I've had to work on. I'm a much stronger operator today. today I had a couple conversations last month that I just can't even believe I'm the one having them. I'm being so transparent. I'm not overcoddling it. I'm not sugarcoating it. And it's super unnatural for me. I do not like micro conflict. Uh, I'm a tough guy on video and the stage, but when it comes to one-on-one, -on -one, I'm a honey over vinegar guy. Uh, but I've had to get better and I want to be better. And so I've gotten, 
the conversations have become far more transparent, a lot. One thing that I struggle with is feedback from other managers because I think they're incentivized to, da- to undermine their own direct reports. So I'm quite cynical to senior management giving me feedback on people underneath them. So the reason people get a lot of chances is because I don't make the mistake that most people do, which is blindly take the word of their direct report as an indicator because I actually think they have more to lose and sometimes suppress the people underneath them. Because the big question I get asked all the time, how do you deal with this? So are you saying to me then you go to the individual who you go, you go past the direct report, the boss, the manager, and you go to the individual and go and suss it out for yourself? Not only do I do that, I follow everybody on social media. I read Slack. I'm doing a lot of recon uh, to make sure I have a clear picture because I think most people's vulnerability at scale is they blindly take the information from the most senior person who inherently has more to lose and I think leads to bad behavior. Because and in your environment, do you, you? I just for me, I will not cop it. But the upward management. So, in other words, I'm managing. You're my boss. I'm managing you on your expectations and me. I mean, it gets a little fluffy there. So I have to uh, not necessarily that. Yeah. But not blind belief that the manager said this person sucks. I'm like, yeah, let's see about that. I, what I'm shitty about, actually, I'll tell you right now, why I'm really fucking pissed off is we have to finish. And <laughs> I don't mind telling you that, but I know you're on a tight schedule. So I'm going to ask you. This is a really important question to me. When Gary Vaynerchuk retires or goes off into the sunset and goes and lives you know, yep. next door to Richard Branson, what do you want to be remembered for? That I gave more than I took. I really want to be remembered for that. It's interesting. When I watch you, I see you are, you are very generous, at a, at a, actually at a massive speed when you speak on YouTube and various other places. And I think it's actually it, – and I, wonder, I was actually curious, is, is that generosity? Is that you wanting to give more than you take or more than you receive? And do you think that you've, you've achieved that so far? If you yeah, stop I th- today? I, I think so. I, I think that the thing that alpha winners like you that are very close to me and know a lot of details are surprised by is how much I'm not driven by the thing that most... I share many things with many of you, but I just am not in it for the things that I thought I was in it as a kid. What ended up happening was being a millionaire or a billionaire. Or ha- I'm just, I'm just not in it for the money. I, I'll take it. I want it. I want to buy the Jets. But fuck, I would much rather be known who I am versus others. I could easily get the Jets if I could switch to being a more selfish individual. I don't know if anybody can extract more value out of humans than me. It's just I got very lucky, in my opinion, that that is not my framework, and I enjoy the admiration versus the extra zero in my bank account. Well, for me, that's really refreshing. That's, I, I love that answer. That's fantastic. And I have to say to the people listening to the show, when Gary walked in, I expected a, like a Anthony Robbins moment with like a, lots of noise and, and he came in very humble and he introduced himself to everybody in the cast here, everybody. And uh, to me, in, in our country at least, that's refreshing and that's very Australian for us and uh, I appreciate it. Thank, Thank you for much, saying Gary that. Manichek. Thank you so it's much. It's been awesome. Real pleasure. Oh,